Well, for our, uh, our final Advent reading, as we've been doing over the weeks preceding up to Christmas, we're going to be reading from Luke chapter 2, verse 1 through 21. I actually should have the, the words on the screen, so we pull out all the stops for the Christmas Eve service. So, uh, Luke chapter 2, verse 1. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste. And found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. I wanted to share a few thoughts, as we traditionally do on Christmas Eve, about that story. Um, My kids at home have a little wooden nativity set that each year we assemble and set beneath our Christmas tree. Uh, This is the time of year where you see these little nativity sets just about everywhere. There's plastic ones that are illuminated in front yards, wooden ones that are set up in places like McDonald's, Some metal and wrapped in Christmas lights and others made out of expensive porcelain or olive wood all the way from Bethlehem in Egypt, in Israel. I do know where Bethlehem is. (laughs) This year, nativity scenes even made the news as some churches around the country use these little sets to make political statements about events going on in our country. Growing up, some of the Catholic churches in my own hometown were forced to bolt down their baby Jesus as a part of their nativity sets because stealing baby Jesus out of the manger had turned into a popular teenage seasonal prank that left many of the churches missing the star figure at the center of their nativity sets. That little scene is more than 2,000 years old, and although 2,000 years of nativity nostalgia has slowly evolved some of the details from that original scene, Where else in our world do we set up historical depictions from the first century world? It's easy, these nativity scenes yanked out of their ancient time and set alongside our wrapped presents and our busy shopping lines 
to lose a sense of the Nativity's actual place. We often imagine Christ's birth wrapped in darkness, only the light of that brilliant new star washing down over the family, Mary, Joseph, and Jesus, a glow in this heavenly light, the scene more made for a holiday card with glitter than the actual complexity of first century life on the margins in a place like Nazareth and Bethlehem. Like the Christmas song puts it, radiant beams from thy holy faith with the dawn of redeeming grace. Jesus was born in Bethlehem, as we just sang in the song. A small town, but one rich with history, all the way into the Old Testament stories. And in Jesus' day, probably a town of around a few hundred people. First century towns like Bethlehem were built tight. They were compact places, as families often added rooms to their existing dwelling places as their families grew. With the census underway that we read about in the opening lines, Bethlehem was more crowded than usual, crowded enough that Mary and Joseph were forced to find space with the animals, probably in a kind of cellar or cave space beneath the family's house. The place of Jesus' birth alludes to how little attention in the world was given to it. After all, the families of Bethlehem must have been busy. With relatives in town, there were grandkids to play with, and meals to be fixed, and extra bedding to pull out, and talk of life in every other part of Judea and all over the Roman world. An out-of-town Jewish girl about to give birth was hardly a thing which most people would have noted. Mary and Joseph slipped into their place, most likely unnoticed by the others going about their business. Maybe a few hellos, maybe a simple, good to see you again, but nothing like a bent knee or a word of worship. It's not hard to imagine what had caught the attentions of the Bethlehem individuals, the families that year. There was plenty to talk about. Jesus was not born into a historical blank space. That year had not been divinely chosen because there was nothing else significant on the world's calendar and it seemed like a good one for God to pick. Hardly the world instead into which Jesus was born was fully occupied with power and politics, with revolutions and collapses, with impassioned arguments and rumors and growing divisions. The gospel's subtle references to these tumultuous times have become such a part of our reading of the Christmas story that very little of these events still color the way that we think or imagine that nativity scene. But the gospel writers make sure several of these historical references surrounding that first Christmas morning are here. The first is this. The most prominent name on the list, Caesar Augustus. For us, it's an imperial-sounding name indistinguishable from a long list of Roman emperors you may have learned about way back in high school or college. But in Jesus' day, Augustus was a name plenty of people were talking about around Bethlehem dining room tables just an earshot from where Jesus' manger and the newborn child slept. Augustus had risen to power just 30 years ago, the sole victor of a massive Roman civil war that was sparked by the assassination of Julius Caesar. The war had produced legendary names that we still know, names like Brutus and Cassius, Mark Antony and Cleopatra. Surely it was one of the most significant times in world history, and Augustus used the war to not only gain power, but to reinvent Rome itself. He's remembered as the first Roman emperor, having all but decimated the old Roman Senate and the old Roman way of governing and life. He was a man of vision and ruthless determination, and after the bloodbath of eliminating his opponents, he ushered in an era that historians now refer to as the Pax Romana, 
the era of Roman peace. Peace earned by his sword and ensured by his Roman legions. The birth of Jesus intersects this monumental figure in the order of Caesar Augustus's decree that all the world should be registered. These censuses, like the one we read about in Luke, were extremely controversial in Israel because they were seen as an attempt to tighten control, and inevitably, everybody knew, once you were counted, it was going to mean you would pay more taxes. The Jews saw the order as a political move in the wrong direction. There would eventually be several registrations taken in Judea, some before the rule of Quirinius, some during the rule of Quirinius, like the one mentioned here by Luke. The Jewish historian Josephus traces the final Jewish revolt and the Roman destruction of Jerusalem and the temple in 70 AD all the way back to the opposition the Jews had for this registration declared by Augustus in Luke 2. The Jewish leadership, like the high priests, were able to convince most of Jerusalem to participate in the census, but more conservative regions like Galilee, where Jesus' family had just come from, remained a hotbed for talk of revolt and opposition to Rome. If you were here when we preached through the book of Acts, there's actually an interesting note in Acts when Gamaliel is the lone member of the Sanhedrin to recommend not persecuting Christians. He mentioned that maybe Jesus and these Christian followers of his would turn out to be just another false hope, a false leader. He specifically named Theodos and Judas the Galilean, who had led revolts similarly against Rome and failed. We know for sure that this Judas the Galilean led his revolt from Galilee and specifically in opposition to these very censuses that we read about in Luke 2. Now, at this point, I'm fully aware Christmas Eve services are not the typical place where you get history lessons about Israelite censuses and the rise of Roman emperors to power. But I give you this history to hopefully make what I think this Christmas is an important point. Jesus was born into a world immersed and engrossed in politics and controversy and hotly divided opinions. I've said nothing to you and am sparing you an even longer history lesson about Herod the Great, all of his violence and insecurities, or the political divisions that were showing more and more conflict on how to handle Rome as those leading those conflicts ran in opposite directions, the Pharisees, the Sanhedrin, the Essenes. It's not hard to imagine that night in Bethlehem, a Jewish family whispering in the dim oil-lit light of their home. One begins, we are Jews. God is our emperor. Caesar Augustus is not our peace, and now he wants more of our money to pay for it? Another whispered back, we should resist. I hear there's a man leading a rebellion near Galilee. Some say he may even be the Messiah who will finally free Israel from Rome. Another family member pushes back. It's all too risky. We still have the temple, and I don't want to risk losing that too. Still another, hearing the mention of the temple, becomes more frustrated, their voices now above a whisper. The temple is as corrupt as Rome itself. We should leave while we can. There are priests in the desert who are practicing our faith as we all should. In that day, these topics, politics and religion, were topics no family could avoid, nor would they. But they found themselves at an impasse. What is this world with its kings and its armies and its taxes? What does it mean to follow God in this place? Do you resist? Do you comply? Do you ignore everything and just pretend? They blew out their lamps and fell asleep, divided, 
yet with a mix of fear and uncertainty, frustration and longing shared between them all. And just a few yards away, a baby is born and breaks the stillness of that night with its first cry. What a world this was that Jesus was born into. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And the shepherds, heavy-eyed, watching sheep on the margins of town, suddenly an angel and a word, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. What will be the sign of a Savior? What will be the sign of this new Lord? What is this good news and joy for all people? What is this revelation of God breaking into the darkness, to the silence that his people had lived in for now hundreds of years? The sign? You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloth and lying in a manger. I can't help but think that very moment... Somewhere in Rome, Caesar Augustus was probably plotting and signing more decrees. Pundits were weighing in on the clash of power between the emperor and the Roman Senate. In Galilee, rebels were plotting and planning their resistance. They would wait no more. There was a nation to save. And in Jerusalem, priests were trying to balance all of this conflict and keep their own positions of power. There was so much at stake in it all. And yet it would be this little nativity scene... Young, unknown first-time parents, poor, bowing shepherds, a stone-feeding trough holding an infant, scraps of cloth for swaddling. It would be this scene that is the one that is remembered. I'll offer you only this, one point. Christmas reminds us that God is with us, as we've been seeing over the previous weeks. But the way that God is with us is not always the ways or the places that we would expect. As that baby would one day grow to say, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, For they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for they will be called children of God. I might add, for this Christmas, blessed are those wise enough to look for him, passing by kings and emperors and revolutions to find him here in this nativity. Because it's no easier for us to recognize him than it was for those of his own time. The light of our Christmas Eve candles isn't enough to burn away the complexity of our own age. This, our time, has just as much talk of power and politics and disagreements on how to handle them both. Such things matter, but maybe not as much as some other things. Maybe not as much as this. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. I want to close out with this. Um, One of my favorite writings of Christmas is a poem by G.K. Chesterton. He says this. There fared a mother driven forth, out of an inn to Rome, 
In the place where she was homeless, all men are at home. The crazy stable close at hand, with shaking timbers and shifting sand, grew a stronger thing to abide and stand than the square stones of Rome. For men are homesick in their homes, and strangers under the sun, and they lay on their heads in a foreign land whenever the day is done. Here we have battles and blazing eyes, and chance and honor and surprise, But our homes are under miraculous skies where this Yule tale was begun. A child in a foul stable where the beasts feed and foam. Only where he was homeless are you and I at home. We have hands that fashion and heads that know. But our hearts we lost how long ago. In a place no chart nor ship can show under the sky's dome. This world is wild as an old wives' tale, and strange the plain things are. The earth is enough and the air is enough for our wonder and for our war. But our rest is as far from the fire drake swings, and our peace is put in impossible things. Where clashed and thundering unthinkable wings round an incredible star. To an open house in the evening... Home shall come to men, to an older place than Eden and a taller town than Rome, to the end of the way of the wandering star, to the things that cannot be and yet are, to the place where God was homeless and all men are at home. I want to remind you this tonight. Far more is going on in this world, in your world, than the news often finds time to report. In fact, the headlines of Jesus' birth were not a thing that even his own time recognized, but yet the great events of his day would become the historical footnotes to the story of his birth. Could such a thing be true here as well? It would be this baby by which history itself would pivot. The count of this Christmas, 2019, derived from that moment, his birth. This is the way of God. As Paul would put it, God has chosen the weak things of this world to confound the things which are mighty. The kingdom of God is at hand. Here it is. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Or as the angels put it, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased.